1: Independent and impartial. From an
2: African perspective.
3: Your latest news, I am Onilin South Africa's Health Minister Dr. Zuelim Kize has raised concerns over a third wave of COVID-19 infections post the Easter holiday season. The likelihood comes as the country continues to roll out its vaccination strategy. South Africa is expected to have access to at least 1.1 million vaccines, which will come from Pfizer and Johnson & Johnson. Additional vaccines are expected in May and June, with exact numbers still being assessed. Coronavirus infections here have been dropping, but Africa's hottest hit country has passed 50,000 recorded deaths. South Africa's Deputy Chief Justice Raymond Zondo says President Sir Ramaphosa at this state is not compelled to respond to allegations made about him by former ASCOM CEO uh, Brian Molefe in his testimony to the State Capture Commission of Inquiry. Zondo's comments come after the Commission's evidence leader advocate Bule Silega indicated that Ramaphosa had received a Rule 3.3 notice which is used to inform an individual who has been implicated witness testimony at the Commission. Mission. So, under confirmed that on the 14 day period offered for response after the delivery of the Rule 3.3 notice has lapsed without a response from the president. Ramapo says representatives have told the commission that they would wait until after Molefi has completed his testimony to respond.
4: What you are obliged, when, the time when you are obliged to file an affidavit is when you receive. A regulation 106 directive from the chairperson. Yes. So under rule 33, it's up to you if you want to respond. But the commission may decide that even if you didn't want to respond, it wants an affidavit from you. In that case, it can ask you to provide an affidavit. If you, re- you cooperate and respond and provide it, then no 106 directive needs to be issued.
3: Schools in Zimbabwe are set to reopen this month in two steps, starting with the three exam- examination classes on the 15th of March and the rest of the classes as a week later. The reopening is now possible following the fall in COVID-19 infection rates and the preparation done in all schools to ensure a safe environment. Information, publicity and broadcasting services minister, Senator Monica Mutsangwa announced the phased reopening in Harare following a cabinet meeting. In in for an influx of the vaccines, Minister Mutsangwa said the government has set up a team of experts to monitor its effectiveness while also reporting feedback from those who have been vaccinated. At least nine people have been killed in Myanmar in a series of clashes between the security forces and demonstrators seeking the restoration of their elected government. More deaths have been reported but not confirmed in several cities. The BBC's Jonathan Hitz reports.
5: The many calls for restraint from Myanmar's neighbours and other countries have been ignored by the military authorities. The security forces opened fire on large crowds of protesters in the cities of Mandalay and Monwa. The high proportion of head and chest wounds on those who died suggests that the troops and police were shooting to kill. At least two of the victims are believed to have been teenage children. The police also rounded up large numbers of residents in at least one neighbourhood of Yangon,
3: Lastly, German media are reporting that the country's main opposition party, the Alternative for Germany, has been designated as a suspected extremist organization by the Domestic Intelligence Agency. The party is trying to overturn the decision which could ruin their prospects during elections later this year, as the BBC's Damien McGuinness reports.
5: This would be the first time in modern Germany that a political party with seats in the national parliament has been placed under surveillance. It would mean that members of the far-right Alternative for Germany, or AFD, can be monitored intensely by intelligence services. That means officials can tap phone or online communications and can also recruit informants. AFD leaders have expressed outrage, saying the decision is undemocratic and that the party is being targeted unfairly.
3: Channel African News, I am Onil Nsensi.
5: SABC
1: News. Independent and impartial. From an African African
2: perspective.
6: perspective. 17.06 Central African Time. This is Africa Digest with myself, Samora Magessi. Thank you very much for joining us. Cameroon has described as grossly exaggerated a report that its military raped 20 women, including four with disabilities, and uh, arbitrarily arrested and beat men. But the abuses went unreported for a year. Cameroon says the human rights report lacks credibility, but acknowledges that 35 men were arrested in the English-speaking southern village of Ibam, but there were no abuses. Moki kinzaga reports from Yaounde that Ibam villagers are asking for investigations to be opened.
1: Cameroon acknowledges that an invasion was carried out on separatist camps in Ebam, an English-speaking southern village in a district from February 29, 2020 to March 1, 2021 to wipe out fighters the military said were terrorizing the population. In a press release, military spokesperson Army Captain Siriusaj Atonfa Gemo says in the course of the operation a separatist fighter was neutralized weapons seized and 35 persons arrested the release says all of the arrested persons were released after investigations and refused Cameroon's military tortured and raped 20 women including four with disabilities as reported by human rights watch human rights watch in the report said The 35 arrested people were beaten and one man was killed. Cameroon military said it was a separatist fighter that was killed and weapons and 16 motorcycles were seized from the fighters. Human Rights Watch reported that 50 Cameroonian troops carried out the attack at Ibam. Cameroon military said the attack on the fighters was carried out by 20 people They describe as servicemen with no further details. Ilaria Allegrozzi is senior Central African researcher for Human Rights Watch. She says the attack on the village of Ebam that went unreported for a year was one of the worst by Cameroon military. In recent years,
2: the attack has gone unreported due in part to the stigma and fear of reprisals by the survivors of rape. Um, And this has discouraged people like the survivors from speaking out uh, about what happened to them. And I think it's important to highlight that unreporting by survivors might also suggest that the number of similar incidents uh, is probably much higher in the Anglophone regions, much higher than what has been reported so far. Um, We have spoken with with um, residents of uh, IBAM and survivors of the attack, Um, soldiers broke into almost all the 75 homes in the village. They looted them um, and dragged men out of their homes. And the men were rounded up in the village centre while uh, the women were sexually assaulted, mostly inside their homes. So this attack was um, absolutely horrific. And the testimonies we collected from the survivors of sexual violence violence are chilling.
1: Allegrozi called on the Cameroon authorities to conduct an independent investigation into the attack in collaboration with the African Union and the United Nations. She said Cameroon should make sure its counterinsurgency strategy in its English-speaking regions respects human rights.
2: We believe that ensuring justice and reparations uh, for the victims is essential for deterring uh, further attacks and also uh, helping the survivors to heal. Um, but we also call on Cameroon's international partners to um, express uh, their public concern about the human rights abuses we documented, including sexual violence, and urge the Cameroon's government to ensure that um, its counterinsurgency strategy um, in the Anglophone regions um, is um, respecting um, human rights uh, because failing to do so will only um, undermine um, victims' rights to uh, justice um, and also increase frustrations among the communities.
1: 32 year old petrol seller Ernest Elangwe fled from a bomb in March 2020 and is now in Cameroon's commercial city Dwala. He says while in the village, fighters constantly abducted villagers for ransom and tortured civilians suspected of collaborating with the military to fight separatists. language says he however saw men dressed in Cameroon military uniform beating women the day the military came to attack the fighters. He spoke via a messaging app from Douala. They should, first of all, carry under investigation because the same scenario happened in Garbo last year and then they said it was a separate at the end. After investigation, it was the military. Up north was the same scenario. They said it was not the military that was Boko and After investigation, it was the military. So let them carry under investigation about the Ebam issue. It is not the first time Cameroon soldiers are accused of human rights abuses. Three Cameroonian soldiers were charged in December 2020 with killing villagers, including women and children, while fighting rebels in the northwestern town of Ngarbu. Human Rights Watch said troops were responsible for the deaths of 21 civilians, including 13 children and a pregnant woman. Seven troops are on military trial in Yaoundé for the killing of two women and two children while combating Boko Haram terrorists on the northern border with Nigeria. Cameroon's government and military initially dismissed all the allegations of troops killing civilians as efforts to tarnish their image. But under international pressure and from rights groups, authorities later prosecuted the troops. Separatists have been fighting since 2017 to form an English-speaking state within the French-speaking majority country. Rights groups accuse both the military and rebels of atrocities during the conflict in the English speaking Western regions, which the United Nations says has left over 3,000 people dead and more than half a million displaced. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is Moki Kinzuka in Yaounde, Cameroon.
6: Now to Kenya, which has become the fourth country in Africa after Ghana, Cameroon and South Africa to receive doses of COVID-19 vaccine known as AstraZeneca, made by the Serum Institute of India. According to Kenya's Ministry of Health, first dose vaccination priority will be given to frontline health workers, teachers, police and military personnel. Our correspondent James Shimanyula reports.
4: Qatar has just arrived uh, a few minutes uh, to midnight here in Nairobi at the Jomo Kenyatta International Airport. The plane is carrying 1.2 million doses of COVID-19 vaccine known as AstraZeneca made by Serum Institute of India. The arrival of the vaccine comes at a time when Kenya, with a population of 54 million, has recorded more than 100 106,000 cases and 1,859 COVID-19 deaths since March last year. Shortly after the arrival of a plane loaded with the vaccine, Kenya's Minister for Health, Mutai Kagwe, inspected sealed boxes of the vaccine and spoke metaphorically about the war that the government has been fighting against the invisible infection.
1: We've been fighting COVID-19, we've been fighting this virus, but we have been fighting it with rubber bullets. But this time round, what we have received here is equivalent, metaphorically speaking, to acquisition of machine guns, bazookas and tanks to fight this war against COVID-19. We want to thank our partners, UNICEF, the World Health Organization, And we want to say that this achievement is as a result of a lot of hard work in the Ministry of Health. So we are very excited. It's a very happy moment for Kenya. This is a game changer for the war against COVID-19.
4: As the COVID-19 vaccine remains stored in a cold storage, In the Kenyan capital, Nairobi, professional medical experts have been commenting on people that are eligible to get it. Walter Yaoko, professor of medical, microbiology and tropical medicine at the University of Nairobi, explains why pregnant women will not be vaccinated.
7: It's just
8: because we have not done studies on the vaccine in pregnant women.
4: The question that I put to Professor Jaoko is whether or not people with a history of allergies can be vaccinated.
8: The problem is that we don't know whether the people who have severe allergies will also react severely to this vaccine. For that
6: reason, they are not being given.
4: The other question that arises is whether or not symptomatic people should be vaccinated. Professor Jaoko again. If
8: you are a symptomatic person, you have no symptoms so you will get the vaccine. The thing is that you're not going to test people to see who is COVID negative or who is COVID positive before we decide
4: who to give. For people who qualify to be vaccinated, The choice is yours, but choose wisely. Dr. Collins Tabu, head of National Vaccine Immunization Program in Kenya, speaks about preparation that have been made ahead of rolling out of the vaccine.
1: We're walking through the preparedness steps and roll out the vaccination to the 47 countries as soon as possible, say by Thursday.
4: According to Kenya's Ministry of Health, first dose vaccination priority will be given to frontline health workers, police and military personnel, as well as teachers. Wilson Sosioni, Secretary General of Kenya National Union of Teachers, explains why vaccination priority should be given to teachers.
9: We risk losing more teachers and the more reason why we are encouraging all of them to accept the vaccine, so that we can reduce the mortality rate.
4: Now, let us hear varying comments from ordinary Kenyans on the COVID-19 vaccine that is now in the country. Thanks for the vaccine, but the people have to be educated on the importance of the vaccine
9: this
4: vaccine i'm not ready for it i'm not ready this is just a start once something starts we are not sure of what it is though a research has been done on the vaccine i'm not ready to be vaccinated
5: for me
1: Let me just uh, believe in my eating healthy and doing all that stuff. Then when we
8: come to the vaccine, we'll deal with it later. What are the side effects? So I'm not ready for
4: it. Those were voices of some ordinary Kenyans on COVID-19 vaccine that has just arrived in the country from India. The vaccine known as AstraZeneca was acquired through the United Nations-backed COVAX initiative. The delivery of the vaccine in Kenya on Tuesday night is part of shipment that COVAX is sending to low- and middle-income countries in Africa and beyond. In recapping this story, it may be imperative to reiterate that the availability of COVID-19 vaccine in Kenya comes time when the East African nation with a population of 54 million has recorded over 106,000 cases of COVID-19 and more than 1,800 deaths since March last year. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is James Shimanyula.
10: Change Game is a weekly entrepreneurial program that targets entrepreneurs, especially youth on the African continent. Last year, Google named me as one of the brightest young minds in the world. The program seeks to portray various opportunities and options that are available for entrepreneurs. I came up with the way for the world not to bother. It focuses and highlights real issues concerning entrepreneurship. There are so many people whose potential is still untapped. At Change Your Game, we believe entrepreneurs are the key drivers of tomorrow's African innovations and essential to creating a thriving African economy. African Southern Africa, the African perspective.
6: Zimbabwean schools will open as from the 15th in then the 22nd of March, as the country's COVID-19 burden goes down. According to officials, the opening will allow learners to use a compressed syllabus to allow students to catch up with lost school time last year. Already, parents are bitter with that the Grade 7 tests written last year resulted in a massive failure, especially in remote areas where internet is a luxury. More from our correspondent, Simon Muchemwa reporting from Harare.
11: Schools in Zimbabwe will start opening on the 15th of March to cater for the examination classes and the rest will open on the 22nd of the same month. The announcement was done by the Minister of Information, Monica Mchangwa, during her weekly post-Cabinet media briefing on Tuesday. The country has been in level 4 lockdown since January when the COVID-19 second wave hit in Zimbabwe. Owing to that... Schools closed in a bid to save lives as the South African variant that had been detected was spreading faster and killing many people compared to the first instances in 2020. At least 1,200 people died in two months and shook the entire nation. But schools suffered with students who had no alternative of learning suffering the most. Minister Mchangwa made the announcement Tuesday.
12: Cabinet agreed that the school calendar for 2021 starts on a slightly phased approach, with the examination classes opening on 15th March and the rest on 22nd March 2021. Teachers for examination classes should therefore report for duty on 10th of March 2021 and the rest of the teachers on the 17th March 2021. There shall be rotational school attendance in classes where learners cannot exercise social distancing. On the days when children are not at school, learners will be engaged through strategies such as open distance learning and e-learning. Relevant modules are already under production. Among the catch-up strategies, all continuing classes will start with 2020 work, syllabi have been compressed to facilitate accelerated coverage both primary and secondary school levels will follow three levels of accelerated compressed syllabus coverage
11: the decision to reopen schools was reached with consultations with education stakeholders after noting a sharp drop of covid-19 positive cases and death lately for the first time in two months the country recorded zero deaths consecutively on Saturday and Sunday, before they picked up again to four, While the country is still recording new COVID-19 cases, the recovery rate is also encouraging. On one hand, the vaccination program started well on the 18th of February, targeting frontline workers and more Chinese vaccines are on their way. Mojangwa added, Cabinet
12: wishes to inform the nation that the first phase of the national COVID-19 vaccination program is targeting frontline workers, the security sector and members of the media, the elderly and those with underlying conditions. Also being targeted are ports of entry staff, funeral power staff and agri-tech staff. More vaccines are being procured. As indicated before, the vaccination is voluntary and free. Citizens are being encouraged to remain (laughs) vigilant and protect themselves, their loved ones, communities, and the entire nation. The nation is further informed that last week, President Xi Jinping of the People's Republic of China donated a further 200,000 doses, taking China's total donation of vaccines to Zimbabwe to 400,000 doses over and above, the donated 400,000 doses, another 600,000 doses of Chinese vaccines purchased by the government of Zimbabwe will be arriving in the coming weeks. Uh-huh. Russia Federation, the Republic of India and the United Kingdom have also pledged donations of various vaccines, with Russia promising 20,000 doses of the Sputnik V vaccine and India promising 75,000
11: doses. The opening schools comes after serious pressure on the part of government to allow learners to attend lessons following the release of the Greson results that showed a reduced pass rate. The pass rate was one of the worst in many years and it also exposed the huge gaps between children of the elite doing online lessons and the poor. According to Mchangwa, government has put in place measures to close the gaps and assure students all will be well. This year. As of
12: yesterday, 1st March 2021, Zimbabwe accumulated COVID 19 cases stood at 36,115, with 32,905 recoveries and 1,463 deaths. It is noted that the positivity rate is declining, a trend attributable to preventive measures being enforced across the country. It is in line with this decline that His Excellency Dr. E.D. Munanga, the President, has now
11: viewed the nation. In Arari, Zimbabwe, for Channel Africa, this is Simon Mchemuan.
6: Rwanda today received uh, her first COVID 19 shots from the World Health Organization's global vaccine sharing scheme, COVAX. Our reporter in Kigali, Silvanis Karamera, says a flight carrying 2,400 doses of the AstraZeneca uh, Oxford vaccine arrived in the Rwandan capital, Kigali, in the early hours of this morning.
7: The first shipment was received by Rwanda's Minister of Health, Dr. Daniel Ngamije, together with representatives from WHO and UN Resident Coordinator in Rwanda for the NDIA. The second shipment of 104,000 doses, also from the COVAX facility, is expected to be arriving later in the evening. The high-risk groups include frontline workers, people above 65 years, health personnel as well as those with underlying health conditions, will be given priority, the minister said. Rwanda is among the first countries to receive consignment from the COVAX facility. He added,
1: We are
7: pleased to receive these first AstraZeneca and Pfizer vaccines through the COVAX initiative and appreciate the partnerships with the UN family, Gavi, funders, as well as manufacturers that have made it possible. He said, that the government was going to immediately roll out vaccination planning, beginning with the capital Kigali, This Thursday, the arrival of COVID-19 vaccines was a good news to some citizens in Rwanda. Uh,
13: to me, I believe this is like the light, at, uh, a small light at, uh, at the end of the tunnel, because uh, we've been in limbo for a long time, not knowing what's next. But now that we're coming into the country... Definitely a sign of hope that uh, we can beat this and within a short period
7: of time. But for some people, these vaccines require more time for contemplations.
9: Mm, that's a tough question. Uh, am I ready? Why? I think it will, it will depend on uh, the type of vaccine that I'll be receiving. If, I'm, if I receive, I'm given the Pfizer vaccine. That is good news. If it's AstraZeneca, I'm not sure that I will take it. I might play hide-and-seek until I'm able to receive the Pfizer vaccine, depending on the quality that we've been reading um, in the news and the you know, and and the the reviews that have been made about these vaccines.
7: But the Minister for Health has clearly said that uh, the variety of these vaccines depends on the capacity of the country, and that is why they have uh, ordered two different uh, vaccines. Why why should you be selective, for example, or uh, pessimistic about this?
9: The reason why I will be selective is because um, there have been some reports about Pfizer vaccines, um uh, it seems to be the best quality out there uh, mm-hmm. of the vaccines um and uh, we know that it has the uh, high quality of, of you know protecting someone from contracting the the, the 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 virus
7: i understand you are one of those people that have really uh, been following up on what is uh, transpiring in here but uh, uh you just said that uh you you will be playing seek and hide. And don't you think that maybe this will be confirming the uh, ongoing looming concerns whether or not the vaccines are effective?
9: No. So here's the thing. I'm Mm -hmm. not saying the vaccines are not effective. I'm Mm -hmm. only saying how effective, to what extent are they effective. I know for a fact that, well, at least according to what I've been reading, and um, you know, hearing from other people, Pfizer vaccines are more um, effective. Mm. So I'd be happy to take something that is more effective. Something that you know I can take one job without taking two jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I can take one job and that's it, I'll be happy to do that. If I can take something that does not have side effect on my body, that's it. So,
7: so you prefer a single shot to. Two shots, right
9: <laughs> Yes, I prefer a single shot that if it means can we, cover up
7: that means we will be waiting for j and J jobs
9: that will be fine, that y- will be safe, but uh, but I also think uh, the Pfizer vaccine is much uh, safe mm. um,
7: the backlash against vaccination seemed to be disturbing the minister. <laughs>
1: I would like to
7: call on all citizens to avoid any fear for all of these vaccines are of good quality after they passed all trials and finally proved to be safe. Following the development, the vaccines will on Thursday be dispatched from Rwanda Biomedical Center to all 508 health centers in the country. The government has consistently called on the yet-to-be-vaccinated individuals to further comply with the COVID-19 preventive measures. Already put in place. Sylvanus Klemer reporting for Channel Africa in Kigali. It's
6: now time for your latest news headlines. Here's Onelensinsi.
1: SABC News. Independent
14: and impartial. From an African,
2: From an African perspective. perspective. perspective.
3: South Africa's Health Minister Dr. Zuelim Kize has raised concern over a third wave of COVID-19 infections post the Easter holiday season. Schools in Zimbabwe are set to reopen this month in two phases, starting on the 15th of the month. And at least nine people have been killed in Myanmar in a series of clashes between the security forces and demonstrators seeking the restoration of the elected government. Channel African News, I am Onelin Zinzi.
1: S.A.B.C. News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective.
6: Checkpoint Research, CPR, the threat intelligence arm of a provider of cybersecurity solutions globally, Checkpoint Software Technologies has published its 2021 security report. The report reveals the key attack vectors and techniques observed by CBR researchers as criminal, political and national state threat actors um, exploited the disruption caused by COVID-19 pandemic to target organisations across all sectors. It also gives us or gives cybersecurity professionals the information they need to protect their organisations against these advanced fifth generation cyber attacks and threats. For more on the highlights of this report, here's Pankaj Bula, EMEA Regional Director for Africa at Checkpoint Software Technologies.
14: These reports we, we run on a regular basis. It's, uh, it's part of our, I guess, responsibility as an organisation that's been in this space for, for 20-odd uh, years in the industry. And we have you know analysts, we have uh, machine learning kind of diagnostics, uh, artificial intelligence, uh, we're gathering data Pretty much every second, we we scan on a daily basis eighty billion odd uh, different digital signatures. Some of these, or, or several of these, are, are malicious, and, and we understand that information, and then we share this data back to the community. So, um, and it's widely available. It's it's in fact also, um, if I can say, it's uh, it's from it's Mahala. <laughs> it's,
0: it's, it's <laughs> well, that's that's certainly good news, Pankaj. What are some of the highlights um, in the report?
14: So, um, look, uh, Zikona, it's it's very clear that uh, most organizations will have their employees working from home, right? Uh, currently, I think two-thirds of majority of staff are working from home. Many mm-hmm. organizations will make that uh, compulsory. So, um, what that has done is it's created a, we call it a, a surface area, uh, an, an area where hackers are able to, to breach, uh, you know, t- uh, technology users. And so people working from home, from their own uh, laptops at home, you know, in, uh, school children or, or children who are playing games uh, on, on networks at home, those are all now surface areas or exposure areas where hackers are, are taking uh, advantage of. So, so we've seen, you know, uh, in excess of a 100,000-odd websites that are malicious. This is obviously a, a, as a result of covid too. you know, on a daily basis, over 10,000-odd Emails get floated around, which are malicious, uh, not to mention some so several other steps. Uh, so certainly the remote users are, are the ones that are, are, are being targeted.
0: How easy is it, Pankaj to hack mobile phones? I mean, seeing that more and more people are using their phones now uh, for almost everything, you know, online transaction, browsing the Internet, playing online games, etc. How easy has it become for the hackers um, to access um, that important information?
14: Yeah, it's. The, it's the business tool, right? It's the tool that yeah, everybody's using. Yeah. Um, our stats revealed that um, almost half of individuals that downloaded some sort of app in the last year or so, whether it be COVID or unrelated, has been maliciously, uh, let's call it, um, uh, implicated, right? The, sure. the apps itself. So, so that's 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 immediately one form of uh, of, of breach. But um, unfortunately, Zikona, when we spoke a few months ago, I, I told you that we, we still see um, individuals like me, like you, that that click on um, emails from untrusted sources. You know when, when, sure. when you should. <laughs> we, we see individuals and you know people working for organizations downloading files from an untrusted source again, which is un- unfortunate. A lot of people work from uh, from Wi-Fi hotspots, so so these remote Wi-Fi hotspots are. Are untrusted, they unsecure. I'm sure if you've logged on to a few, you'll see where it says. Definitely, it's not, definitely. Yeah. Um and all of those mobile devices are are doing exactly that. And and that just exposes them and allows these uh, these malicious set of code or hackers to um to to you know to, to bypass the rules and, and breach their devices.
0: So, what can organizations then and individuals do um, to really safeguard themselves um, around this? I know that um, it's probably a tall order, but what are some of the, the avenues that they can use to protect themselves?
14: As I mentioned the last time, we're an organization that uh, that, that specializes in this industry, so we have uh, technologies that allow you to uh, to install software on your mobile device, your laptops. Uh, these, these these software tools will protect you from. Uh, or block rather those malicious set of codes or, or individuals that are attempting to uh, you know to hack your 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 device so uh certainly encourage uh, organizations to reach out to me or or, or you know my, my company but outside of that the corner I, I must stress this we need to maintain a culture of cybersecurity consciousness as, as south africans we do that very well in our day-to-day just in terms of g- general crime you know uh, i we simply need to do that a lot more when it comes to cyber. Just be careful with what you open, what you click on, where you log on. And if you do that, I think half the battle is won. Then certainly implementing technologies that can give you that additional layer of protection is where we come in. And finally, um, I know that times are tough. I know that uh, we're trying to save money where we can, all of us, uh, but don't cut corners when it comes to spending money on cybersecurity. Uh, You you get caught out very quickly uh, in the long run.
0: Now, I mean, on that note, Pankaj, you know, uh, we've all had to learn a little bit more about cybersecurity, especially now that we've all been forced um, on the online space because of, of COVID. Do you believe that this time has really um, highlighted the importance of being safe online, etc.? And what changes in behavior have you been seeing, if at all?
14: Mm, very, very good question. Um The stats don't say that, uh, unfortunately. So prior to COVID, the industry was regarded as a $3 billion industry. Now, Um, the numbers are saying that it's uh, accelerating at a very rapid pace, the the amount of breaches that are taking place. You know, the the stats are saying that 87% of organizations have experienced some form of exploit. We commonly say in our industry, there are two types of companies, companies that know they've been breached and are doing something about it, and companies that have been breached but don't know that.
4: <laughs> so
14: it's not certainly the uh, the, the trend. Um, it looks like uh, we, we are not necessarily improving in that area. Yeah, aspect. yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, Pankaj, since you are certainly the experts in this field, for people who are listening, I would like to learn more about the work that you do and, of course, gain that uh, much-needed insight. Uh, where can they find you again online, etc.?
14: My mobile number, and I'm happy to share that, is 082-862-2902. And my email address is uh, pankajb, which is p-a-n-k-a-j-b, at checkpoint.com.
10: Change Your Game is a weekly entrepreneurial program that targets entrepreneurs, especially youth, on the African continent. Last year, Google named me as one of the brightest young minds in the world. The program seeks to portray various opportunities and options that are available for entrepreneurs. I came up with the way for the world not to bother. It focuses and highlights real issues concerning entrepreneurship. There are so many people whose potential is still untapped. At Change Your Game, we believe entrepreneurs are the key drivers of tomorrow's African innovations and essential to creating a thriving African economy. Southern Africa, the African perspective.
6: Thousands of teachers in Malawi's public schools are staging a sit-in strike aimed at forcing authorities to pay them risk allowances during the COVID-19 pandemic and better protective equipment. All schools reopened last week after a five-week suspension by President Lazarus Chakwera due to a surge in COVID-19 cases. George Mhango reports from Blantyre.
5: In actual sense, the teachers report to work but do not teach in order to force government to meet their demands for high-risk pay and better safety equipment, as is the case with health workers. Students at some schools have been holding protests against the teacher's strike. Political analyst Victor Chipofia Jr. thinks there is need for dialogue on the matter.
13: The problem we have with uh, the the strike by the teachers because they're looking for risk allowances, uh, it's a deep-rooted problem because it's stemming from the fact that there was abuse of funds, uh, 6.2 billion, by the presidential COVID-19 task force. So everybody now has a feeling to say that there's money in the government coffers to be given out, and yet it's not being given out. Uh, So from that angle, you would be able to understand why they are striking. But on another angle of patriotism, Uh, I think the teachers are doing injustice to our children because the children, our students, our pupils, they're being denied their right to education. And so uh, in English, there's a saying that says that uh, when elephants are fighting, it's the grass that suffers. So here you've got teachers fighting government, and yet our students are suffering. What are we doing to the education sector in the country? So there's need for government to quickly move in uh, to resolve this issue. But as I said before, the main issue is that there was there were, there were funds that, that that were abused, and so everybody has got the feeling to say that there's money that's being sent that that's being spent. So what? Why should people be working? Why should we be working when others are making money and we're not making
5: money? Initially, Malawi first closed schools in March 2020, well before it confirmed its first three cases of COVID-19 during the first wave of the pandemic. It reopened the schools in September, but classes were suspended again for five weeks in January 2021 because of a surge in COVID-19 that saw some teachers and students infected. At this moment, Education Minister, in a televised address, said government has allocated about $6 million to the school's reopening program, but no risk allowance for the teachers has been provided. It is not known when the teachers will resume work, but last Tuesday, a meeting between government authorities and teachers' representatives hit a snag. Close to 1,050 people have died due to COVID-19 in Malawi since 2020 in april george mohango china africa Blantyre. Yeah?
4: across the globe every second there's always a breaking story what we want to achieve is a healthy and vibrant economy which can ensure full employment
6: It's now time for your latest economics news. Here is Tracy Boomgard.
16: Thank you, Samora. Nigeria's Department of Petroleum Resources has threatened to shut down and or sanction filling stations found to be hoarding fuel. A special task force has been set up to intensify surveillance and monitoring of all retail outlets and depots nationwide. This follows panic buying of fuel despite the Nigerian National Petroleum Corporation telling Nigerians that there will be no pump price increase and that there is sufficient fuel in the country for more than 10, or 40 days rather. South Africa's Parliament Standing Committee on Public Accounts is to investigate a complaint against ESKIM CEO Andre De Reiter by suspended Chief Procurement Officer Solichitangano. Tangano. The committee received a letter in which De Reiter is accused of a myriad of irregularities. In the letter, Chisantango, accuses the CEO and other managers of purging black suppliers and using racism to deal with them. Scopa was scheduled to receive a briefing from Eskim on issues of SIU investigations and deviations and expansions, as reflected in the company's annual report. The meeting was suspended, however, as members felt that it would serve no purpose if the chief procurement officer was not available to answer questions regarding his areas of responsibility. Committee Chairperson Mkuleko Lengwa.
6: The allegations are very serious. And so the CEO will have to be afforded an opportunity to address us and respond to the allegations uh, that have been made against him. So we will put the the issues that have been raised to him. So I think that um, committee investigative process uh, must ensue on this matter, given the importance of escort. It is very, very
16: urgent. South African Labour Federation COSATU is calling for a speedy amendment of pension laws to allow workers the opportunity to use a portion of their pensions in times of distress. The Labour Federation says a bill to that effect must be tabled in Parliament by next month so that it can come into effect by October. Kosatu and other stakeholders were participating on the hearings in Parliament on fiscal and revenue proposals. Deputy Parliamentary Coordinator Matthew Parks says they have also believe that the 350 Rand COVID-19 grant must continue for the duration of this financial year and UIF has, must also continue to provide relief to people subject to restricted work.
10: Chair, you recall in the medium term budget statement that the Minister of Finance had committed to amending the pension laws to allow workers limited access to the pension funds in moments of distress. We are quite disappointed that it hasn't happened with, yet. We think, Chair, and, and there is agreement with Treasury that it must happen, but Chair, the issue for us is to move with speed. We think that bill needs to be tabled in Parliament by, before Easter, by April, so it can come into effect by October 2021. Or we must simply use Honourable Dion, Dr. Dion George's bill and make the necessary amendments to it. But either way, it needs to happen this year to avoid workers resigning and cashing out the pensions.
16: The Restaurant Operators Association of Zimbabwe has expressed dismay at the government's decision to maintain the ban on customer sit-ins under new COVID-19 measures. President Emerson Mnangagwa on Monday announced the new measures, which include scrapping of exemption letters for people to travel, reduction of curfew hours, and the extension of business hours. The informal sector was also allowed to open, but restaurants were only allowed to open for takeaways. The association says no relief has been given to restaurants. They are faced with full costs related to rentals, wages, and other inputs, but have no income, while those that are able to do takeaways report income of between 8 and 20 percent of pre-lockdown levels. Nigeria Securities and Exchange Commission has raised alarm over the proliferation of Ponzi schemes in the country, the SEC has described such schemes as a threat to the protection of investors, the functioning of a fair and orderly financial market, as well as the development of the economy. One US dollars trading at 379.48 Nigerian Naira, 10.88 Botswana Pula, 108.93 Kenyan Shilling and 21.86 Zambian Kwacha. The dollar is trading at 5.66 Brazilian hail, 74.08 Russian ruble, 73.31 Indian rupee, 6.46 Chinese yuan, and at 15 South African rand. The U.S. dollar is also trading at 71 pence to the British pound and 83 cents to the euro. Gold is trading at $1,711 and platinum at $1,176 per ounce the price of Brent crude oil is at $63.65 a barrel. For Channel Africa News, I'm Tracy Bumgard.
6: And for your sport, here's Neto Chimani.
15: Thank you, Samora. From the Sports Desk, a very good afternoon. Starting off with football news. Nigeria Football Federation President Amaju Pinnick has predicted Petrus Motsipe to win the Confederation of African Football CAF presidential election on the 12th of March. Our correspondent Tony Obani reports.
8: Pinnick has not hidden his love and choice for a Memelodi Sundown owner's uh, candidacy against Jack Anoma of Ivory Coast. Augustin Senghor of Senegal and Mauritania's Ahmed Yahya to be decided in CAF's elective Congress in Rabat, Morocco. Though there are reports that rival candidates have agreed to step aside from standing in the election, Pinnick nonetheless said that he does not see any one of the candidates who can stop Moshepe.
15: The NFF president, who has made history as the first and only Nigerian to do two times in Nigerian football, said he was proud of supporting the South African because, according to him, for the first time in football in the continent, Africa is about to get it right. Lagos-based Tony Obani has more.
8: Pinnick, who was in the vanguard of making unknown Ahmed to upset Ubiquito's Issa Hayatu's 29 year reign as Cap president in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, in 2017, said the victory of Musepe is going to be a landslide. Tony, he said, remember I told you in Addis Ababa that uh, we will get 35 votes for Ahmad, and that was what we got. This time around, we'll even get more. I'm looking at 38 to 40 votes. Africans are united in their choice for Musepe. We want somebody who knows, somebody who understands the game and his politics You will see transformations and the rise of African football when the Daniel comes to judgment on March 12th. Melvin Pinnick Amaju emphatically said, and indeed, when this man says anything concerning football in Nigeria or in Africa, you know, you better listen. For Channel Africa Sports, Tudubane reporting from Lagos, Nigeria.
15: Uganda Cranese coach Jonathan McKenstry has been suspended for the next afcon qualification games against burkina faso and malawi federation of uganda football associations fufa head of communication hussein ahmed
1: the fufa executive has asked the national team head coach jonathan mckinstry uh, to step aside from
6: the period uh, running uh, second of march to 31st of march 2021 uh, in his absence uh, the assistant coaches, Abdallah Mubiru, Livingstone Mbabazi, and goalkeeping coach, Fred Kajoba, who will be in charge of the team during this period. Uh, the rest of the technical team of the Uganda Cranes remains unt- unchanged. Uh, Fufa will continue to assess and monitor the performance of the national team during this period.
15: In Rugby News, Rugby Sevens fans around the world can mark their calendars and begin to look forward to the highly anticipated return of the HSBC World Rugby Sevens Series as plans are unveiled for the 2021 series. Given the unique circumstances brought about by the COVID-19 global pandemic, together with the spectacle of the Olympic Games in July, World Rugby has worked closely together with partners, host organizations and participating unions to agree a compact and highly impactful series in 2021. The condensed 2021 series schedule includes five women's and four men's rounds, with the addition of a further two potential men's events under discussion. The 2021 series kicks off with back-to-back women's events in Marquis, Paris, on the 15th to the 16th and the 22nd to the 23rd of May. And finally in basketball news. The Tigris will on Tuesday, the 27th of July square up against the USA for its opening game at the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, according to the official fixture released by the Federation of International Basketball Associations. Channel Africa's Tony Obani reports.
8: The reigning African champions who miss out of the Rio 2016 games will be presented another chance to provide a point against the team they narrowly lost to at the 2020 qualifying tournament in Belgrade. Friday, 30th of July, we we'll see the coach Otis Hogley to top side file out against world number five, France, before their last game against host Japan, that will be on uh, 10th on Monday, 2nd of August, for the conclusion of Group B games. Meanwhile, the Tigers, that's the main the main version of uh, the Nigerian national team, will on the 29th of July battle Australia in Group B at the Saitama Super Arena in Tokyo, alongside Australia, the number one rag team in Africa, currently on a nine match on run in all competitions, will also play winners of the Olympics qualifying tournaments
15: from Serbia and Belgrade. For Channel Africa Sport, Amneto and ETO Chamani.
6: This is Africa Digest. Up this hour of Africa Digest, be sure to join us again from 1900 hours Central African Time for more news from an African perspective. Right now, though, taking us to the top of the hour is a Cry a Smile, Cry a Smile and a Dance by Judith Sapuma. We'll see you later.